Well, good morning. morning. Welcome to Connection Point and welcome to those joining us online. I'm Pastor Zach. Shelly and I serve as lead pastors here. So glad you're here today. And this season is oftentimes a season for parties. People have Christmas parties at work or in their homes. And, And so I thought it would help us today to think about a guest that you could bring to a party. And so here's what I'd like to know. If you could bring anyone in the world to a party that you're going to go to, and those people at the party would be excited that they were there, who would you bring? Now, I want to help you this morning because first service struggled with this. First, they gave the answer Jesus. I just thought, you know, of course, I was waiting for it. We're in church. Somebody's going to say Jesus. Yes, you should bring Jesus to the party. He is with you. All right, so you're off the hook. You've brought Jesus to the party. Second thing, you've brought your family. Some guys were sitting next to their wife thinking, if I don't say my wife, I'm getting spinach for lunch. (laughs) So your family's at the party. Your family's at the party. Jesus is at the party. Now, now, all of that already done. Who would you bring to the party? Give me some answers. Barry Mantelow. Barry Mantelow. (laughs) Some people would be excited for Barry Mantelow. Very good. Who else? Who would you bring to the party? Who? Messi, a soccer player. Soccer player. Nice. Bring a soccer player. Bono, all right. Who? Casting Crown. She's going to bring a band. She's going to bring the entertainment to the party. All right, we'll stop there. My fear was, to be honest, like you're going to shout out names. I know some about pop culture. I need to learn more. You know, I just thought, I'm going to know half the people are going to probably yell out at me. But I, did, I know Barry Manilow, so that's good. I'm all right. Okay. So what would be the response if you brought entertainment to the party? What do you think? Would people be excited for that? For the most part, some of you are questioning, depending on the person they're bringing, I guess. But for the most part, we bring people to the party, and people would be excited that those individuals are there. The passage that we're getting into in Luke chapter 15 is an opportunity that we see in the parables that Jesus is sharing with some Pharisees and scribes, that we have an opportunity to bring people to God's global party. We have an opportunity to bring others. And the incredible thing is, is as we bring others, there is literally a party in heaven taking place. This is what we've been talking about, is I've been talking about join the party These scriptures are what I've been referring to, but you know, I can only do 30 minutes at a time, so you got to build up to it. So I just was leading you that way, knowing where, you know, we're going to end up. So that's what I'm referring to, that we're invited to God's global party, that every time someone comes to make a decision to follow Jesus, there is a party in heaven taking place. And so the question for us this morning is, who are we bringing to the party? Jesus wants you there. We've said that many, many times. I've got people that could stand up and show you your invited t-shirts. You're invited. Jesus wants you there, but he also wants to know who are you bringing along with you, okay? That, that's what we're going to cover today. So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you've got your Bible with you today. If you're new to the church, why do we say that? Because we want you in God's word. We, ran, or we sang a song this morning about abiding in Jesus. We want you daily in God's word, and part of that is reminding you that uh, you can bring your Bible on a Sunday. If you don't have a Bible with you today, there's one underneath the chair in front of you. You're welcome to, to use that today. But we're going to be Luke chapter 15, first 10 verses. So I'll invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. 
These are God's words to us. We don't take them lightly. We should be applying them to our lives, and and that's the goal today. So Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1. And now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. These are the words of God. Maybe seated this morning. If you were here last week, we finished Luke chapter 14 with a message on Jesus is worth following. Jesus is worth following. And really the whole point of that message is that there is no greater joy in life than knowing Jesus as your infinite treasure. That Jesus is worth giving everything else up for to know him and experience him and know him like that. Uh, The focus of the message was one that really related to three words, abide, adore, and abandon. That if we abide in Jesus, if we take time daily to read his word, to spend time in prayer, then it's easy for us to grow in our adoration of him and then to abandon things for him. Those three things are linked together. As we abide, we adore, and we abandon. I love how Shelley pointed out, as she shared a bit last week, that and as we abandon, guess what? We have more room for adoration of Jesus. All of these things are, are intimately connected. Abiding, adoring, abandoning, and all of those responses for Jesus come out of our worth for him. But I also encourage people, if you, if you struggle to understand the worth of Jesus, what do we need to do? We need to take time to be with him. We need to spend time with him. As you spend time with Jesus, you have a greater understanding of his worth. And as you understand his worth, you live your life differently than if you didn't. That was where we left off, understanding his worth. And what we found in that passage is as we adore, as we abandon, as we head into this week, we do those things so that we can bring others to the party. For us to bring others, we need to adore. We need to abandon. We need to abide. That's part of what's required. And the challenge for us then is is if we're called to bring others to him, if joining the party requires us bringing others with us, How do we do that? And the challenge for many, what I have found, is that most followers of Jesus don't necessarily either know how to bring others or they just haven't been challenged to do so. It's actually a bit of a blind spot for the Western church. And here's why I say that. So every October, Connection Point Church has been asked by the Indiana District of the Assemblies of God 
to host a minister's conference. And so we host a minister's conference. We really just, you know, give them use of the facility and, and they bring in a speaker and they interact with all of the, the pastors from the Assemblies of God in the state of Indiana for those that come to that event. And we had a question and answer time on, on the Tuesday of that day. So this is about a month and a half ago. And a pastor came up and was asking questions and it wasn't necessarily tied to this statement, but I found it really interesting. He said, so he came to the, the, to the mic and he said, so our church, wherever he pastors in Indiana... We have a mission similar to this church, our church, Connection Point Church, because he saw our mission on the banners on Main Street, where we want to encourage people to belong. We want to help them believe in Jesus. We want to help them to become like Jesus. And then he said, well, we don't have the bring, but we probably should. We should probably have the bring part. And I just thought, what a great illustration of what has been a blind spot for us in the Western church for many, many years. We have not understood that following Jesus is making disciples. And here's the problem. If we don't follow Jesus by making disciples, we never step into the extraordinary life that he promises us. I shared in a message in January, extraordinary church, fulfilling God's big dream, and extraordinary life, becoming a mentor, that we are called to become like Jesus and then bring others along with us in the same. That's what we're called to do. And I mentioned within that series that we're called to fulfill God's big dream because it's God's heart that no one perish apart from a saving knowledge of him. And we're meant to be a part of bringing others to that party that he's having. And where do we find that party? We find it in Revelation chapter 7. And here's what Revelation chapter 7 tells us. John, again, the the writer of Revelation, so I read from 19 this morning. He says, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. That's the picture of God's big dream. That's what he says is going to happen. And then he says, and you're invited to bring people to the party. So who are we bringing? As I shared in that message in January, extraordinary church, extraordinary life. My heart is for all of us to live extraordinary lives, that you're invited to that extraordinary life. I was talking with the mentoring group that I'm in a bit about this this last month, and, and uh, one of the guys asked, he says, well, so how do we help people understand that they, they're meant to step into this life? And, and I said, well, you stick signs in a restroom, that asks them. Where are you in the extraordinary life cycle? To which he laughed. He said, I'll tell you what, I laughed when I saw that. I thought, well, we're just going to get them everywhere. We'll get you in the bathroom. We want you to live an extraordinary life. God wants you to. And he wants you to because others' eternity is at stake in you. And I think we've taken that too lightly. And so where did I get this from? We were in Luke chapter 5. We were working you know, through the series in Luke. So Luke chapter 5, that was 10 chapters ago. And and in the story that was there, there were some guys bringing their paralyzed friend to Jesus. And when they brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus, they dropped him through a roof, and Jesus healed the man. And what do we see happen? Here's Luke chapter 5, verse 26. It says, An amazement seized them all, and they glorified God. They were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. And how did that all happen? How did this crowd see extraordinary things. Some guys brought their friend to Jesus. For us to live 
extraordinary lives. We need to collectively figure out how do we bring people to Jesus. If it's been a blind spot for us in the church in the way that we've made disciples, let's correct it. Let's figure it out together. Let's step into this journey together of extraordinary living and figure out what it takes to bring people. Don't let that intimidate you. Let it motivate you to say, God, help me figure it out. And I want you to know as a church, we're committed to figuring it out. We want to know, God, how do we bring others to the party? So that's where I'm going to start today. How do we bring others? The first is this. We bring others to do so. We must abide, adore, and abandon. If we're going to bring others, we must abide, adore, and abandon. So last week at the end of the service, if you were here, I asked you to write on the back of your program, on a connect card, somewhere, what does Jesus mean to you? Because if you figure out what Jesus means to you, it's going to motivate you to live differently in his name. And here's what I loved. That when we left after second service last week, our floor hosts are pretty good to go around and pick up whatever programs have been left. At the end of second service, not one program was left. Because you took seriously the assignment to write out what does Jesus mean to me. And my prayer is, oh Jesus, may they take that home May they meditate on that. And may they start to live out their purpose in Jesus' name. So thank you for taking those programs home. Thanks for taking time to figure out what Jesus means to you. And we're in a great season to celebrate what he means to you. And so what I want to mention is, within that context, if you're not yet in a place of abiding in Jesus daily, do that. Start spending time with Jesus every day. His worth will grow in your life. And then you will be able to adore and abandon more. So the first step is abide. As you abide, you will adore and abandon. You need to start spending time with Jesus. Pastor Eric mentioned John Chow. And if you've watched the news at all the past week or two, you may have come across his story. He's an American Christian who, out of adoration for Jesus, committed himself to telling the people of North Sentinel, an island off the coast of India, he committed to telling them about Jesus. As an 18-year-old, John went on a missions trip. God gave him a heart for the nations. And so John began to learn about unreached people groups. And one of the people groups that John learned about was the Sentinelese people. And guess what? They're on our wall of the unreached. So he learned about these people and he said, Jesus, I think you want me to share you with them. And so it motivated him. And so then he began to prepare for the opportunity to share Jesus with this island nation. He began to to be trained. He went to Oral Roberts University. He got a college education. And then he said, I want to be trained in medicine so that I can bring um, medical uh, attention to whatever needs they might have. He began to work in national parks so he could figure out how to live and work in difficult situations and environments. So he began to prepare himself for the next, uh, was at least eight years for the moment where he would show up on this island. He took classes in linguistics knowing he'd need to learn their language. And within a few years of graduating college, he spoke with a missions organization and asked, can I be sent out from you so that I can have access to more people who know about missions and linguistics? And so they did. They continued to prepare John. He had a heart to reach these people and they wanted to help him do it. What else did he do? He got a dozen shots. He wanted immunizations because he didn't want to bring diseases to the island. He understood that. He quarantined himself for days before he ever went. He made friends with some local fishermen. 
who said that they would help him get to the island. And so what he first tried to do is just bring gifts. He brought fish and other odds and ends just to help the tribe know that he was there to be friendly. And how did all these interactions happen? They happened because John adored Jesus. Here's an excerpt from one of the journal entries that he wrote uh, this last month. Here's what it says. Thank you, Father. Talking about God the Father for using me, for shaping and molding me to be your ambassador. Please continue to keep all of us involved, hidden from the physical and spiritual forces who desire to keep these people here in darkness. Holy Spirit, please open the hearts of the tribe to receive you and by receiving me to receive you. May your kingdom, your rule, and reign come now to North Sentinel Island. My life is in your hands, O Father. Into your hands I commit my spirit. John adored Jesus, which enabled him to abandon all for him and his glory on the earth. John adored Jesus because he took time regularly to meet with him. It was his regular practice. So I would say this morning, in this context of bringing others, if you've never brought someone else to Jesus... The first step is just start spending time with Jesus and then you're going to have a heart to share him with others. Start there. We don't need to complicate it. If you want to be able to bring others to the party, you've got to start spending time with Jesus. To bring others, we must abide, adore, and abandon. And to bring others, we must go. That's part of it. To bring others, we must go. In the parable of the lost sheep, the shepherd, he had to leave the 99 to go after the one. And what's interesting is that when the shepherd finds the lost one, he puts it on his shoulders to bring it back. And why does the shepherd do this? Uh, Kenneth Bailey, he's a great expositor of scripture, and, and he gives some insight as to why he had to put him on his shoulder. Why couldn't he just lead him back? Here's what Kenneth Bailey says. A lost sheep will lie down helplessly and refuse to budge. If they're scared, they lie down, they won't budge. So the shepherd is forced to carry it over a long distance all the way home. Do you want to know how much a sheep weighs on average? 200 pounds. You know why we pay no attention to that detail? Because what's it say he did? He put it up on his shoulder rejoicingly. He took that burden on and joyfully said, I'm bringing a lost one home. I think part of the challenge for us this morning is, do we look at the opportunity to bring others as a burden, an obligation, or a joyful opportunity? Where do we put it? I think too often we've looked at it as a, a burden, an obligation. But what does the shepherd show us? Throw it up on your shoulder and joyfully bring them home. We get to bring people to the party. We get to bring lost people home. We need to rejoice in that, even though it's a bit of a burden sometimes. It won't always be easy. Look at the, the woman with the coin. What does it say? She lit her lamp. We just think that's flip the light switch. Do you want to know what it takes to light a lamp in the first century? First, you have to have a lamp. <laughs> Second thing is, you've got to put olive oil in that lamp. And where did that olive oil come from? Somebody had to press it. I don't know if that lady pressed it, but she got some olive oil. Let's say she didn't press it. She just got the oil. Now she's got to put a wick in that, that lamp. And then what does she need to light it? She needs fire. Well, guess what? They don't have those little clickers. <laughs> a little bit more effort required to get some fire to light that lamp. 
So she lights that lamp. You know, the effort involved in lighting that lamp. And what does she do? See, she searches diligently. She sweeps the whole house. She works hard to find that lost coin. And joyfully, she finds it and tells others to come and celebrate. Look, going for some of us, as we look at these two examples this morning, as we look at the shepherd and this lady, there's actually two different examples taking place here. So the shepherd was out in the wilderness. So some of us, as we go to bring others to the party, are going to be asked to go to faraway places to do it. And some of you, he's already spoke to you about that. God has put that in your heart, and so you're preparing to go. But many of us, we need to sweep out our own houses. We need to sweep out our own neighborhoods. We need to sweep out our workplaces and find the lost coins who are there. That's for a lot of us today. John Chow, he began to move near the island, so the middle of November... He's been preparing for eight years. He's gotten immunizations. He's quarantined himself. He's physically fit. He knows what to do in water. He knows what to do on land. And he starts to go and have interactions with the islanders. He's brought gifts to let them know that he's friendly. And on one of those trips where he was bringing gifts, one of the encounters that he had is one of those teenage boys that was there shot an arrow at John that's stuck in his Bible. That bothered John. But he didn't let the burden of bringing the good news of Jesus to this people to keep him from sharing. He wanted to participate in the joy of seeing them make a decision to follow Jesus. His plan was to stay for years, establishing relationships, learning their language, providing medical care, all out of a desire to bring them to Jesus. So how do we apply that to our own lives? John Chow was one of those called to go to a faraway place. And some of you will do the same. But many of us need to figure out how do we do that here. Can I tell you the first step is this? It's very simple. Be kind. Be kind. Pay attention to the people in your life. Every one of us has daily interactions in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, in our grocery store, as we go to get our haircuts. All of those things are daily interactions with divine opportunity. Do we take them that way? We need to be kind. And and once we're kind, then guess what else we need to do? We need to be present. That as we start to engage with people, then we need to pay attention to what it is that they're saying. I've long encouraged people, look, instead of going to self-checkout, why don't you show up to where a clerk is there, look at her name badge, greet her by name, so be kind, ask her how her day is going, be present. And allow God to work through your daily interactions. We don't have to overcomplicate it. We don't have to go knocking on people's doors I mean, maybe that's a part of it, but really all we need to do is take advantage of the daily interactions we have. Start there. Uh, a couple of months ago, um, my wife and others had been giving me a hard time for the fact that for 10 years in missions, my practice of getting haircuts was go into the backyard or the garage and just buzz my head and carry on with life. It was simple. My wife said, you know what? We've been in America for almost three years now. Why don't you go get a real haircut? I can take that hint. I knew what she was saying. All right. So I'll go get a real haircut. And then like a month later, I got a coupon in the mail for $9.99. And I said, well, there you go. It's God ordained. I'm going to go get a haircut for (laughs) $9.99. But here's what I want to highlight this morning. The difference between how I'm living now and before we went overseas is I used to just go get a haircut. Where now I get a coupon in the mail and say, all right, God, this person is going to cut my hair. Are they a lost sheep? Are they a lost coin? Do you want to help, do you want to use me to help bring them home? 
one of the challenges for us is we like to live very compartmentalized lives. We like our home life, our family life, you know, we like our work life, we like our church life, and we like it when those things don't necessarily intersect sometimes, you know? And, and what God is saying here, I think one of the mindsets we need to change is, Jesus means to have it all. He means to inter- intersect every area of our lives, in the workplace, in our homes, obviously in our church relationships, and that we would view every interaction we have as an opportunity for God to advance his kingdom. Do we look at people that way? Do we look at the people that we interact with as eternal beings who are either headed to eternity with God or eternal separation from God? And does my interaction with that person help lead them one way or the other? We need to start thinking about those things. So when I went to go get a haircut, uh, I started going just on the same day, the same time. That way I knew I could meet with the same person and start to get to know who this person was. Her name's Amanda. So I started to get to know Amanda, who lives in downtown Lafayette. She's got kids. Uh, One of those kids uh, was supposed to participate in the parade yesterday because I wanted to be kind. I want to be present and figure out who she is. And so I just felt like it would be joyful for you guys to meet her. Would you like to meet Amanda this morning? All right. So Amanda, come on in. All right. Just kidding. She's not here this morning. Oh, pastor, what a terrible trick. My wife is going to get after me later. I know it. Sorry, Shelly. The deacons put me up to it. <laughs> Two things. If I bring somebody to church, I'm not telling you. I don't want to embarrass them. <laughs> Here's why I wanted to, to do that. Wasn't it joyful to think for a moment that within a few months' time of getting to know someone, they would show up and be found? Isn't that joyful? So guess what? It's joyful if we bring people to Jesus. I want you to sit in that this morning. I want you to understand the opportunity we have. And here's what I'm going to say. I firmly believe that one day Amanda will come, that she will be introduced to who Jesus is. Uh, So part of the conversation is be kind, be present, and then be brave. So that when she says, I'm struggling with this, and that was a conversation we had, I could say, well, can I pray with you about that? And if you're intimidated to pray with someone, all you need to share is, you know what? When I've struggled with something similar, here's what really helped me. And if you have had a life in Jesus, he's going to be the one who helped you. So be kind, be present, be brave. And here's what I think we need to release from ourselves this morning. The pressure of feeling like it's on us. I don't think Amanda is going to be found because I'm anything. I think Amanda's going to be found because the good shepherd will bring her. Whether he uses me or not is up to him. I just am going to make myself available in every interaction I have. So please, don't feel stressed to feel like, oh, it's on me. No, it's not. Who's the shepherd? Jesus is our shepherd. He just wants to use you to point people to the shepherd. That's it. There's no pressure there. Uh, Shelly and I, so I've mentioned before that we both grew up in pastor's homes. We, We were raised in the American church. We're a product of that. But I can tell you, We were never trained, not even encouraged, to really tell others about Jesus and bring them to the party. And this is why, as we came back to be able to pastor in the U.S., one of the things we said we've got to do is we want to figure out a process by which we can help people to feel equipped to bring others. 
Because as they start to bring others, they're going to start to step into the extraordinary life that Jesus means for them to live. And instead of focusing on, I want to live a good moral life and I should learn something about the Bible, what happens is, as you follow Jesus and make disciples, guess what? You're making disciples and you realize that person is watching your life and you say, I don't want to engage in that activity because that's not who I am and that person is watching me. What happens is, is they start to ask you questions and you're like, oh man, um... Let's dust off the Bible, start, start finding some answers. All of a sudden, you have a very different motivation to grow in Jesus because you're responsible for the eternal welfare of somebody else. I really believe that part of where we've missed it is we've not encouraged following Jesus is making disciples, which is why so many young adults, thanks for being here, when they go off to college, they decide to do something else with their lives because they never understood their eternal purpose and impact on the world. That's why we are committed to helping the next generation understand the eternal difference your life is meant to make for the kingdom. Your life for the kingdom. Your life matters for Jesus. Not just to live a good moral life, but to make a difference for the kingdom and bring others with you. That's what should drive us. That's what should motivate us. So are we living like that? Are we starting by being kind, being present, and being brave? And if you would say, I just don't know how to bring others, I don't feel equipped to do that, this is why we've got signs in the bathroom. <laughs> this is why we've got banners on Main Street to say, if you just commit yourself to the process, it is our heart to equip you. So are you in the mentoring process? Many of you are, 120 people in the mentoring process right now. And by the time we get to the spring, we start sending you out saying, hey, you know enough to be able to start sharing Jesus with others. If you're not in the mentoring process, could I encourage you sign up today? We're going to kick those off again next summer. But don't wait till next summer because you'll have missed it. Sign up today to make sure you're a part. We want to help you to bring others to the party. We're committed to it. So don't let that intimidate you. We're committed to helping you. To bring others, we must go, be kind, be present, and be brave in the relationships we have with others in our life. And when we bring others, we get to celebrate. When we bring others, we get to celebrate with the heavenlies over one that comes home. That's what we get to be a part of. At the end of the parable with the lost sheep, Jesus tells the Pharisees and the scribes, he says, and when he comes home, the shepherd bringing the sheep, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And when the woman, she finds the coin, here's what we read. She calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. When we bring others we get to celebrate. True joy is found in bringing others to Jesus. You will live an extraordinary life by bringing others to Jesus. So John Chow, he left out early a couple of weeks ago on Saturday morning, November 17th, to continue trying to meet with the people of the North Sentinel Island. And before departing, he wrote one last entry in his journal, and here's what he shares. Brian and Marilyn, mom and dad, you guys might think I'm crazy in all this, but I think it's worth it to declare Jesus to these people. 
Please don't be angry at them or, or at God if I get killed. Rather, please live your lives in obedience to whatever he's called you to. And I'll see you again when you pass through the veil. Don't retrieve my body. This is not a pointless thing. The eternal lives of this tribe is at hand, and I can't wait to see them around the throne of God, worshiping in their own language, as Revelation 7, 9 through 10 states. I love you all, and I pray none of you love anything in this world more than Jesus Christ. Soli Deo Gloria, he signs, which means glory to God alone. John Chow. And later that morning, those fishermen who dropped John off near the island saw a group of islanders dragging his body on the beach, then burying it in a shallow grave in the sand. So how do we talk about celebrating in heaven over the lost becoming found in the same breath as we talk about someone losing their life because of their commitment to reach the lost? Because both are eternal matters, and we Everyone in this room this morning is an eternal being. Everyone outside these walls have eternity at stake. 190,000 people live in Tippecanoe County. 190,000. And if you look up the demographics, it says 67% of those don't follow Jesus. They don't darken the door of a church. So just do the math. 120,000 people. Lost sheep. Lost coins. But do the other math. 70,000. Can 70,000 with a passion for Jesus reach 120,000 who don't know him? It's a really easy answer this morning. 70,000 reaching 120. The task before us is not difficult. The task before us just needs to be done. Will we commit ourselves to bringing other people to the party? John Chow understood that this, his life mattered for the sake of the lost. Do we, do you understand your life matters for the sake of those who do not know Jesus? Do we realize that every day we pass people who are either headed toward eternity with God or eternity without him? And what does our interaction lead them toward? Which one? Which way are we helping to lead people? And maybe you think this is an extreme example. But you'd better believe John's life will make a difference on North Sentinel Island. I guarantee it. Watch and see if that tribe is not scratched off the wall within 10 years. I guarantee it'll make a difference. It'll happen. He knew what he was doing. Here's what he wrote. He said, whoever comes after me to take my place, whether it's after tomorrow or another time, he writes this the evening before he goes to the island for the last time. He says, please give them a double anointing and bless them mightily. John is already at the party and he's waiting for people from North Sentinel to show up. He's already there and he's waiting for them to come. Jim Elliott, a missionary from the 1950s, he went to share the good news of Jesus with unreached peoples, an unreached tribe in Ecuador. Maybe you know his life. He later lost his life, much like John Chow, trying to share Jesus with this tribe. And what did Jim think about the risk of sharing Jesus with those who don't know him? Here's what he said. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep. This life that we have, we know we're going to pass from this life to the next. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. John Chow gained something he could not lose. He's living in it. 
the tribe that Jim Elliot tried to reach, who killed him, they eventually all came to know who Jesus was. It's just a matter of time for the Sentinelese people. That's the way it goes. John, with the help of others, will be bringing Sentinelese people to the party. That's what he was committed to. The question we need to answer is, who will we be bringing? Who are you going to bring? We all should be bringing somebody. To join God's global party, we must bring others. One of the best ways that we can head down this road, number one, I said we need to abide. Start taking time to spend time with Jesus. But the second thing is we need to be intentional. And we don't need to look at it as an obligation. We need to see it as an opportunity. So what I'd like for you to do is on the back of your programs this morning, or on the back of a Connect card, or maybe on your phone if that's a better place for it to be, I'd like you to write the names of five people who are near to your heart but far from God. People who you pretty regularly interact with. Could be neighbors, could be coworkers, could be uh, friends or family. But who are some people that you know that are near to your heart but far from God? And I want you to start praying for those people because that's where it really begins. God's got to start softening the hearts. That was John Chow's prayer. Lord, open the hearts of this tribe to you. That's what we need to start with. So let's go ahead. We're going to take a minute. So just take a minute, write down the names of five people. If you don't do it, you're not likely to pray for those people. So I just encourage you, take a moment. We'll pause here for a moment. Write down the names of five people. Hopefully you've come up with at least three to five names. And now this week, start praying. God, open the heart of so-and-so to you. May May he come home this Christmas season. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? Start praying for him. And then pray, God, use me for your service. If you want to provide opportunity for me to invite them to come to family Christmas next week, invite them to come to family Christmas. We'll talk about the Christmas story. Invite them if that's easier for you to do that. But just begin to pray for those people and watch God begin to work in your life and in their life so that you might be a part of bringing them home. Another easy thing you can do with your neighbors if you don't know your neighbors. This is the time of year where you can make some Christmas goodies and go pass those out. Put a Christmas card in there. Start to tell people about Jesus that way. Get to know your neighbors. Discipleship comes out of relationship. If you don't have relationship with lost people, you can't bring them to the party. We need to have relationship with people who don't know Jesus. Start to build those bridges and have you, as you have those relationships, then you get to bring them to the party and you get to celebrate with them. I can't tell you the joy it has been the last three years for people that have been bringing others to the party because that's already been happening the joy in their hearts, to see it on their face when they see a neighbor that they've been meeting with come to know who Jesus is, to be baptized here on the platform. It is an incredible thing, and I want us all to experience that. I want everyone in this room. And what's at stake if we don't? If we don't start bringing people to the party, we never step into the extraordinary lives that we're offered in Jesus. We, we, we can't. That last part, that bring part, is required. For us to step into the extraordinary lives that Jesus has meant for us. And I don't want us to get to the end of our lives and begin to look back to say, you know, things were pretty good. I worked a good job. I think it would have been good to bring people to Jesus. I want you to be able to reflect on your life and to say, I am so glad I got to bring these five people I wrote down on Sunday morning, December the 2nd. They came to Jesus because I was intentional about being a part of that, that joyful burden of bringing Jesus to others. I pray that that's the experience you have. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning.
And as you're standing, maybe you're here today, and you're here because the Holy Spirit led you to this place that Jesus, the good shepherd, has been pursuing you, and he's brought you here because he wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants to be a party celebrated over your life. And so if that's you today to say, I haven't been following Jesus, something brought me here, but I want to make a decision to follow him, that I want to come home and have that party that I read about in scripture. So if that's you today, and you'd say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to come home to him. I want to be a part of that party. I just invite you to, with every head bowed in this room, I want to invite you to raise your hand to say, that's me today. I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. I want to come home. Anybody would say, that's me today. I want to follow Jesus. I was that lost sheep, that lost coin. Jesus has been pursuing me. I want to follow him today. Jesus, I just ask for each and every one in this room that they would have a heart after you. They've been intimidated to bring others. I pray, Jesus, uh, against that feeling in Jesus' name. Lord, I, I pray that they'd have a heart to see others come to know who you are, that they would start to build bridges and have a relationship with people that don't know you so they might have the opportunity to be a part of bringing people to your party. And God, I, I pray that if there are those here today that are far from you, they are not following you, I pray that you would compel them to come home. Jesus, I pray that you would compel them to, to make a decision to follow you, that they could celebrate this Christmas season in a whole new way because of their devotion to you, God. We just ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna invite Pastor Mark to come in the front. He's our youth pastor. If you raise your hand and I didn't see it, that happens. I just want to encourage you to come down to meet with Pastor Mark and he'll have some prayer team members to come with them. If we could have a couple of prayer team members, go ahead and come. And as we sing this last song, I encourage you to come, talk with Pastor Mark, talk with a prayer team member. Don't leave from this place without being a part of the party that God is throwing for you as you come home. So I just pray that you have a heart for that today. So as we sing, feel free to come, but otherwise let's close the song.